Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. It was that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together, they could light up the entire world. It's always good to hear the voice of the 45th and 47th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, as we begin this program. Welcome to Praying for America, friends. We need to pray for America and to work for America First policies. And that's what we're talking about again in this episode, America First. Now, I should note, we are pre-taping this program. This is for the day of the elections in Georgia. By the time this program airs, the polls will have closed. Uh, but we, uh, we certainly pray for the right outcome, and we certainly pray for uh, a victory for our nation and uh, for the good of the United States Senate. But we want to talk today about our ongoing uh, reflection about the biblical pillars of America First policies. And we want to talk tonight about uh, more of those policies as they relate to our economy. And so I want to start with a reading from the book of Genesis, just a couple of verses from chapter 2, starting with verse 15 and then jumping to verse 19. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for giving us dominion over the land and over the creatures on the land. Thank you for giving us our property. Thank you for giving us our work. Thank you, Lord, for giving us our economy. We understand, Lord, that economies exist for people, not the other way around. That all existing creatures and creation serves the human person in service ultimately to you alone. We ask you, Lord, therefore, that we may be responsible stewards of the economy and that we may always preserve the rights to private property and to work and to the freedom of worship, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, by which we transform the things of this world into tools of service to your glory. 
We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So interesting lessons from uh, these couple of verses of Scripture. We see that both the freedom and the dominion that God gives to our first parents. The freedom, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can name the creatures whatever you want. But you're not the source of right and wrong. And that's where not eating from that one tree. Notice how much freedom they have. They can eat from any tree, Adam and Eve. Just the one tree, which symbolizes the source, the font of morality, knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't just mean knowing. It means the ability to control, to decide morality, to decide the difference between good and evil. Our society and the woke culture has eaten deeply of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they think that this truth itself is just a personal creation of each individual. How foolish. Is my morality, your morality, my truth, your truth. That's nonsense. There is an objective truth. There is an objective morality. Yes, there's a lot of individual uh, creativity and diversity that we honor but not when it comes to moral truth. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that comes from God alone. Dominion. He, Adam, names the animals. God, of course, has the authority to name them. He created them. But he shares his dominion over creation with us. You see how that dynamic works. It's the dynamic of shared dominion. I am going to give to you the right, the authority to name all the living creatures. And God takes a position here of watching. He, the Lord God, it says, uh, brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Interesting position of God, right? Being a, 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 a spectator, a bystander, in a sense. And the man has the authority. That authority over creation continues, my friends. And this is where the economy comes in. This is where building a fruitful and prosperous economy comes in. Now, we're not advocating here the idea that if God blesses you, you're going to be rich, and that if you're not rich, you have somehow failed in your faith. This is not the gospel that we're advocating and proclaiming here. God says, blessed are the poor. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean we aim for poverty. Doesn't even mean we should be content. Certainly doesn't mean we should be content with a bad economy. We have, as, a, as principle number one of the 10 principles we're talking about here of America First policies, it is make the greatest economy in the world work for all Americans. And I want to unpack that a little bit with the help of the scriptures. Now, in the scriptures, we see the right to private property, and we've talked about this before on previous um, programs, and the right that people should be free to enjoy the fruit of their own hard work. Going for a moment to the, our founding documents, and our founders, by the way, had scripture as their primary source more than any other for shaping the kind of government that we've inherited from them. They said the pursuit of happiness is a fundamental, unalienable right. Pursuit. Not happiness itself, but the, the, the right to be able to pursue it. Not equality of outcomes, equality of opportunity. 
we should be able to enjoy then the fruit, the happiness that can come from our own hard work, the success that can come from our own hard work. The government is not supposed to either guarantee or control outcomes of that hard work. Redistribute wealth, make sure everybody is on an equal plane. No, make sure that we all have equal opportunity. All right. We looked already at some of the stewardship parables of Jesus, right? He gives the talents and um, and expects people to make more upon his return. We see the scriptures also warning against certain things. Let me go to the board for a minute. I'm going to put a few scriptures up there. Then we'll come back and consider them one by one. But what are some of the things that the scriptures warn about once we have established this principle that we have a certain dominion over creation, that we do have private property, that we can enjoy the fruits of our own work as we pursue happiness. What else do we have to be mindful of as a warning of scripture? Let's go to the board. And you know this already. We'll just, we're just explicating it a little bit. The destructive force of envy. The destructive for envy. In other words, when we are sad, we are sad at another's good. That's what envy is. Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But not to be sad that somebody else succeeds. Again, if everyone has the right to pursue happiness... And if everyone has the right to enjoy the fruits of their hard work and to private property, why should we be sad that somebody else succeeds at exercising their fundamental right? But that is the sin of envy. Coveting, that's where we nurture the desire for someone else's goods. And we we know, of course, that, well, let's put it here, nurture the desire for another's goods. Um, we know that there is a uh, commandment against that. You shall not covet what belongs to your neighbor, whether it's wife or your neighbor's goods, cattle, oxen, etc. And of course, theft, thou shalt not steal. And it's amazing how... The human imagination comes up with so many different and sophisticated ways of stealing. And then the unjust application, and we referred to it a moment ago, of power. Unjust application, taking away from somebody what belongs to them, giving it to somebody else, and so forth, or not being fair in the conduct of the economy. I want to put up a few scriptures here, and then we'll go back and look at them one by one that give us uh, some insight into uh, the economic side of scripture and spirituality. I'm going to look at 2 Thessalonians 
3, starting with verse 6. 1 Timothy 5, starting with verse 17. 1 Corinthians 9, starting with verse 3. Matthew 10, starting with verse 7. If you want to jot these down, Leviticus 19, 13, and finally Deuteronomy 24, 15. All right. So all of these scriptures have to do with warning against these things, principles behind Christian, biblical principles behind building a strong economy, and why this is important for American public policy. Let's go back and look at these a little more closely with the help of, with the, help of the Bible. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 3. Verses uh, 6 to uh, 13. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some of you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Do you think the Democrat Party has something to learn here from the Word of God? Do you think policies that reward people for not working have some kind of transformation that the Word of God wants to accomplish? You heard the passage very, very clearly. And this whole idea of just, again, equality of outcomes. Oh, well, the, uh, these people over here, they didn't work or they don't want to work. They're able to. All right, when somebody is, is, is disabled or completely unable, that's a different story. But we're talking about able-bodied people that simply don't want to work. They want to be idle. They want to be lazy. They want to mind other people's business instead of their own. They don't want to be busy pursuing happiness. They want happiness handed to them on a silver platter. Do you think these Democrat policies have something to learn from the Word of God? Brothers and sisters, pay attention to the difference between the two parties on this point. Democrats, one of the reasons they're ruining this country is that they're rewarding idleness. They're disincentivizing people. And the government takes away the fruits of your labor instead of giving you and protecting your right to enjoy them. It's disincentivizing creativity, productivity, ingenuity, inventiveness. 
There's a reason why most of the world's tremendous inventions have come from America. Because in America, we've always encouraged free enterprise. We're based on the pursuit of happiness. They, they, you know, the, the, the Democrats and their policies, they, they don't deserve a single vote anymore in any election. The party has really, actually, the party has got to be dissolved. So destructive. It's got to be dissolved. You want to have a second major party in America? Fine. Let's recreate one. People can always benefit from disagreements on policy, but not on principle. And when a policy proves to be destructive, then the principle we follow should be that you abandon that policy. All right, let's go to Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 10. I've said verse starting in verse 5. We'll go verses 5 to 7. And let's see what verse we're talking about here. Luke 10, Jesus is giving the um, 72 disciples that he sends out to preach. Let's go to, you see in verse 3, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take purse, bag, or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. And then he says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man is peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. There's the, there's the key principle there. The worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. The worker deserves his wages. Again, a key principle in Scripture, both Old and New Testament. 1 Timothy 5. Let's go to 1 Timothy Chapter 5, starting with verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Now, this is an interesting point here. And um, let me, uh, before commenting on it, and as part of commenting on it, also refer you to um, uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 3. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me, Paul is writing. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this from a merely human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us. Because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a spiritual harvest from you? 
Is it too much if we reap, I'm sorry, a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And so on it goes. Um, Let's go go a little bit uh, further. But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay. You see, the point here is what we were saying already having a right, an expectation of the fruit of your labors. Another way of, of saying this is that in an economy, in any economy, people are never just cogs in a wheel. When we do work, we are expressing our human dignity. And we are taking part in, 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 a, in a, an aspect of our relationship with God, the creator. Now, we can't create things out of nothing, but we can create things out of something. We can take things and build things, and and the very equipment we're using to bring you this program is an an example of that. We create things, we build things, we work on things, and then we enjoy the fruits of that. Because we're not just cogs in a wheel. Economies exist for the human person, not the other way around. Never the other way around. Do not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. Let's examine that just a little bit more. When the harvest was brought in, the grain has to be pounded either by the the oxen uh, uh, pulling something that that grounds the, the grain or by stomping on it with their own feet because the chaff has to be separated from the good grain. In other words, the worthless stuff has to be pounded out and separated. And this is an image that is used when John the baptizer is is preaching repentance, right? His winnowing fan is in his hand. In other words, what is done is on the threshing floor is that the grain is pounded, the chaff is separated, and then the winnowing fan, the thresher throws it up into the air, and the winnowing fan blows the chaff, which weighs less, out of the way, and the good grain falls to the ground. That's what's being referred to here. But when the oxen treads on the grain, shouldn't the animal be allowed to eat a little bit of it? See how the law of Moses says that. That goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 25. You look at Deuteronomy 25, 4, and it has this prescription in it. And Paul is building on this verse, and he's saying, well, yeah, you know, I mean, God created the oxen, but is he, is, he, is he giving this command in the law for the benefit of the oxen eating? Or is he giving a principle that we are to benefit from, which is that you work, you should eat? Key principle has implications for public policy in America. Okay, let's look at, did we look at Matthew 10? Um, This is repeating, but it's good to have all these references on hand. Matthew 10, verse 7 says, As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
Do not take along any gold, silver, or copper in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. The worker is worth his keep. Leviticus 19. All right, so going back into the Old Testament, Leviticus 19 talks about wages. Go to verse 13, and it says, Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Very important. Again, warning warning us about some of the key boundaries of economy. And then Deuteronomy 24, finally, verse 15 reads... Pay, do not take advantage of a hired man, verse 14, who is poor and needy, whether he's a brother Israelite or an alien living in one of your towns. Pay him his wages each day before sunset because he is poor and counting on it. Otherwise, he may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. That's the origin, by the way, of, of one of this. There, there's a list of sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance and withholding one's duly earned wages is one of them. So we're going to continue in the next program more about talking about not only the, the implications of these economic principles for American policy, but also some of the tremendous things that President Trump accomplished for our economy. You know, we're already in aren't we? We're already in the presidential race of 2024. President Trump has declared that he's running. Uh, others are seriously considering and testing the waters. Now, let's have a primary. That's fine. We don't have coronations in this country. We have primaries. But the bottom line is it's not too uh, early to be reminding ourselves, as we will remind you on this program, that President Trump has an impressive list of accomplishments that have been lived not just accomplished, lived through by all of us. And the world's greatest economy, the nation's greatest economy of all time came into being under him and his fantastic team. A team, by the way, that is still working and working on things like this. I'm quoting from a booklet here from the America First Policy Institute, with which I'm associated as well, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. You might want to check it out, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. And they have uh, this summary, 10 pillars for restoring a nation under God. We've been talking in the last few programs just about pillar number one. We're going to go through all 10 of them. And the first one, again, is making the greatest economy in the world work for all Americans. And all this is rooted in Scripture, and the Scriptures I showed you just now provide a, a lot of the basis for this. In the next episode, we'll actually go into more of the policies that flow from implementing these Scriptures. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of having lived in a time when our greatest president brought us to our greatest economy. Lord, we know this is not about wealth as a, a, a some kind of sign that you love us. 
we know that you love us in poverty or in wealth. And we know that the goods of this earth are all passing away. And where our treasure is, there will our heart also be, that we must lay up treasure in heaven. We know this, Lord, and we live this. But Father, we also know that you give us the goods of the earth to care for, and that you set out key principles in Scripture that provide for our right to private property, and that provide limits, Lord, ethical limits, all of which can be summed up by saying that economies serve people, not the other way around. Lord, we thank you that we have lived through a day when this nation was brought to its greatest and strongest economy, and we pray now for wisdom for the American voters, wisdom for American citizens, that we would discern why we got to the strongest economy that we have ever had, that we would understand the principles that will lead us there again, that we will understand, Lord God, that there is a way to restore our nation's economy and to make it work, not just for some Americans, but for all. Lord, enable us always to put the right party and the right people into power that we may flourish. Help us understand that by putting the right people into power, we are loving our neighbor. We are providing, first of all, that first duty we have to take care of our own family, our own children, our own grandchildren, and that we are, out of love of neighbor, providing for our fellow citizens. By electing the right people who can restore the right kind of economy, we truly are exercising your command to love and care for one another. Give us wisdom today, tomorrow, and always in every election for the good of our country. And we pray now in the words Jesus gave us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends. Father Frank Pavone here of Priest for Life. Please be sure you're connected with me on social media. I'm at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. Make sure you're on Getter. We thank them for broadcasting us. Make sure you're on Truth Social. Connect with us on all these platforms. Let's stay encouraged. And please spread the word about praying for America. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.